We live in a world that teaches us that everything is scarce. There's not enough to go around. There's not enough love. There's not enough stuff. Um, but I'm here to say this morning that uh, living from that place is a very empty place. And I saw it especially uh, several times this week. Uh, one of the things that you all have encouraged and allowed me to do over the last two summers is in addition to our teams going to work with Appalachia Service Project, you've allowed me to be um, a very part-time chaplain for two of the counties that Appalachia Service Project serves in. So I go and uh, spend time with the college-age staff members and encourage them and pray with them and uh, walk with them uh, in the midst of it all. On uh, Wednesday, one of the counties I was in at the time, uh, Greenbrier County in West Virginia, began to flood. I uh, first knew that it was beginning to flood in West Virginia when at 4.06 a.m., uh, someone, uh, one of the volunteers came to wake us up in, uh, in the staff office where I was sleeping to tell us that the place where the volunteers were sleeping had flooded. Uh, and there was water on the floor all across the gymnasium where they slept. Um, as much as in one part of the gym, about a foot. Uh, so some of them woke up to a rather soggy morning. And yet, those same people, as we evacuated that county, um, uh, those same volunteers said, just give us four hours to go out to the site. There's work that we can accomplish before we leave. We can finish that ramp. We can put in that shower. We can make sure it happens. Um, but uh, in an abundance of caution and the desire for safety, the volunteers were sent home. And then once the volunteers were past the water danger, uh, the staff evacuated. And so I evacuated to another county where I visited folks. Now on Thursday and Friday of this week, I had originally planned on coming back a little bit earlier, but um, they needed some extra hands. And so I went out to one of the sites uh, that we were working on to make a house warmer, safer, and drier. The couple that lives there has three beautiful little boys, um, uh, one of whom I carried, part of my job was carrying him while he slept on my shoulder for about an hour and 15 minutes. So if you notice that my right bicep is much bigger than my left bicep, it's because I was carrying a small child, uh, Nathan, on, uh, uh, on my hip. It has been a long time since I've gotten to do that. Um, but all day long, from what they had, this family um, had, a, they had a garden. And at one point, the husband who tends the garden, plants the garden, uh, along with his wife, went out into his garden and he pulled out a fresh zucchini uh, and very proudly walked around and sliced off thin slices of that zucchini and said, you can eat it right here from the garden. I, only, or I don't put any pesticides, it's all organic here. And it was maybe the best tasting zucchini I've ever had. Um, and, and they welcomed me to sit in their living room with their child uh, sleeping on my shoulder and talked to me and, and welcomed me in. 
And despite the fact that ASP was helping this family, they were sharing from the abundance of what they had. They had love to give. They had the desire to make the lives of not only their lives, but the lives of their children better, warmer, safer, drier. And I saw abundance in a way that today's story uh, shows just how easy it is for us to miss. So I want to read to you a section of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. Uh, it's the story of, um, well, it's the story of a man who is apparently a farmer, uh, but it's set against the story of Jesus' teaching the disciples, and someone in the crowd interrupts him to ask him to do something that were often, was often asked in the first century of a rabbi to do, which is to be an intermediary in a dispute. So here it starts off like this in chapter 12 of the Gospel of Luke, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to give me my share of our inheritance. Jesus replied, Friend, who has set me up as your judge or arbiter? Then he told the crowd, Avoid greed in all its forms. Your life isn't more secure by what you own, even when you have more than you need. Jesus then told them a parable in these words. There was a rich farmer who had a good harvest. What will I do, the farmer mused. I have no place to store my harvest. I know. I'll pull down my grain bins and build larger one. All my grain and goods will go there. Then I'll say to myself, you have blessing in reserve for many years to come. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to the farmer, you fool. This very night your life will be required of you. To whom will all your accumulated wealth go? This is the way it works with people who accumulate riches for themselves, but are not rich in God. This is the gospel for this morning. Thanks be to God. You fool. You fool. You know, everything I read about Jesus says he didn't have much. He didn't have a home to call his own, a place. Uh, you know, we hear the story, you know, foxes have dens, uh, but the Son of Man, Jesus, has no place to lay his head. Everywhere he stayed was borrowed space. Might be at a camp at the side of the road or in someone else's house, but wherever Jesus stayed, was not his own. He did not own anything but the clothing he wore. And yet every story we read of Jesus in the Gospels is one of how he lived out of abundance. Abundance? He had nothing. How can you live out of abundance, James? Uh, when you have nothing uh, to show for it. And that's where our fallacy and our challenge comes in. Because here in the 21st century, what we have come to think of as abundance is stuff. Do I have enough stuff? 
Do I have enough stuff so that I not only can fit it in my house, but I have to rent a storage facility so that I have enough space to keep my stuff? And do I need a bigger storage facility to hold more stuff? Because stuff is how we think abundance is measured. And the gospel tells us that is a lie. Yes, it's a good thing to have enough to eat and enough to wear and uh, enough to care for yourself and your family. And there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible is pretty clear about that. But the invitation is to see that we have enough Enough love to give away. In fact, so much love that there's always more to give. I've told this story before. I've said this to be true. I, I loved my wife very dearly, and there was another person coming into our lives, Hannah Grace. And I thought, how, how can I have more love? You know, how will this go? Because I already love Linda a lot, and I love my family, my extended family a lot. And yet, when Hannah came along, there was nothing but love for me to give away. And then after Hannah, Joshua came along. And I once again wondered about, was there a scarcity of my love to share? How would I divide it? And it doesn't take any division at all. There just always was more. But we have to stop and look at that. When I look at the family that I was on their property for two days this week, helping uh, ASP finish up this house, partially by holding a child, partially by riveting, partially by supervising a small piece of, of the guttering they were putting up. But in the end, I, I saw this family as one who had nothing but an abundance of love, and what they had, they had to share. Now contrast that with the story of the man uh, the story that Jesus tells of the rich farmer. The rich farmer. He already is rich. We got it. He's got an abundance. He's got enough for himself. And then he has a bumper crop year. Man, a whole pile of stuff comes in. And instead of thinking, wow, in this abundance, what can I do for my community? What can I do that will glorify God? How can I change what's around me and make it better for everybody? He has a whole series of sentences about how great he is. How will this help me? That's the unholy trinity. <laughs> me, myself, and I. There's the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the unholy trinity of what's in it for me, myself, and I. You all deserve and receive, whether you deserve it or not, God's infinite love for you. There's no bottom to that. And you ought to have enough to take care of yourself and those who matter to you. I have no qualms with that. It's when we accumulate way more than we need and we're still not satisfied so that we need more. This man thought about what can I do to make my life even easier than it already is? Well, I will tear down my old storage bins and I'll build bigger ones and they'll be full and then I can just kick back well taken care of just what I deserve. And then come the echoing words in this parable from God, you fool. You thought your abundance was for you, but your life is over. 
Where will it go from there? To people that didn't work for it. To the very people, perhaps, that I always intended it to go to. Abundance is about recognizing that everything that comes to me, um, I have to decide how much of this do I really need to keep for me uh, in order to give most of it away. John Wesley, um, John Wesley uh, the founder of United Methodism, one of his precepts, he, he kept making more and more money as time went along. And his question to himself every year was not, um, uh, was not, isn't this great, how will I spend this? It's how much will it take for me to live? What is the stuff I am ne absolutely necessary for me to survive so I can give the rest away? Not how can I pile up, grasp on to, hold on to things for me. How can I find ways to minimize what I need? What I need, not what I want. How can I find ways to minimize what I need so the rest can go away? Be given to others. Squandered, if you will. I love the reading uh, in Cynthia's book about uh, understanding Jesus from the wisdom tradition. He recognized that he had enough. In fact, he had more than enough. So he stopped and he talked to people. He went to parties and enjoyed the party. I'm not telling you don't enjoy life, walk around with a sour face and give everything away. I'm telling you that life is more than accumulating piles of stuff. That guess what? When you're dead, it's going to go somebody else anyway. It's going to go to somebody else anyway. We cannot take it with us. But we can sure make sure that our neighbor is in a better place than they were before. Because you see, abundance is about abundance towards others, not just for ourselves. When I recognize how much I have, I look for ways I can give it away because I have more than I need. Now, recently, I have begun to wonder if I have as much of an abundance of time and energy as I once imagined I did because uh, I feel that tiredness overcome me. Um, Maybe I'm giving away more than I have when it comes to my time. Uh, but then I recover and I realize that's exactly what I was supposed to be doing all along. It's trying to be abundant towards others. Trying to be loving towards others. This is a story about money. And let me just be honest with you, it makes us very uncomfortable. Preachers either talk way too much about money or not at all. I tend to lean towards that latter, not at all. I could make this purely about the abundance of love that you have. Give away your abundance of love and hoard your stuff. But that's not what it's about. And I'm not suggesting that all of us have the equal amount to give away. But the calling on our lives is not to just keep piling up and piling up. There's a reasonable amount we all need to save to take care of ourselves. But once we've reached that place, Jesus asks us to squander what we have because that's what he did. He squandered it. 
giving it away to people that nobody else thought deserved to get it. He hung out with prostitutes and sinners. He went to parties. He had dinner with people who no respectable religious person would have hung out with. Jesus walked right across that boundary. And why did he do it? Because he had an abundance of love and he recognized that's all that mattered. That's all that mattered. So I encourage each of us, and that includes me, to look the abundance of what you have. Now, it may not be stuff, but what about time? What about, um, what about love? Because maybe there's a way for you to spend that time and love in a way that can make a difference in the world. Maybe you have an overabundance of stuff. And I, I often look at my stuff and think, boy, I have more than enough. Why do I keep ordering a new book periodically? I'll go through a long period and I'll say, look at me, how great I am. I haven't ordered a book. And suddenly, two more come in the mail. How did that happen, James? Mm, it was a miracle. I was asleep. I don't even know how I pressed that Amazon button that suddenly sent me two new books. I think one's coming tomorrow. I had forgotten I ordered a book. It came earlier this week. Linda sits it while I was gone. It's sitting next to my chair, my chair when I come home. And she's like, you know, yeah. I said, well, what is that? I, I, didn't, I know I haven't ordered a book recently. Tear it open. It's a book I ordered last year. I had missed not having it a year ago. And now suddenly I have it. Is it good that I have it now? I don't know. But I didn't even need to order it if clearly I could live a year without it. What are the things in our lives that we really need? And what can we give away to make the world a better place? Because the abundance I have is supposed to make me abundant toward the neighbor. Abundant toward the other. Abundant toward God. God didn't give me this stuff so I can get all puffed up and become a hoarder. God gave me stuff and time and love so that I could just give it away. I have never once in my life run out of love. I have yet to run out of food. There was a period of time in my life. There was a period of time in my life when peanut butter and moldy bread was what I had. And I was too proud to ask for help from anybody else. That's another sermon for another time. I've, I've been close, but I still had a roof over my head, and I had enough clothes to wear, and I was warm enough, just close to the edge on food. But I've never been without all that I absolutely needed. Now, there are my siblings in the world that are at that edge, and yet over and over again, it's the people that seem to have the least that give the most. How is that so? It seems to be they recognize the abundance and that their neighbor might need this thing more than they need it themselves. And so they give it away. Like Philip slicing zucchini from his garden, which by the way was one of the primary ways he feeds his family that and the chickens and the guinea fowl and the goats and the ducks. I can't keep track of all of those. The eggs and all of those things that came from those things were part of 
And yet he shared generously from his abundance because of love. I saw in him the gospel. This man could only think, how do I store up more for me? You and I, as followers in the life and the path of Jesus, need to ask ourselves, how much do I really need for me? Really need. And how much can I give away to make the world a better place? How much love? How much time? How much money? How much can I give away? Because I haven't seemed to recognize that in the kingdom of God there is an abundance that is meant to be shared among all our neighbors, all our siblings, far and wide. So, look at your attitudes about accumulation, about abundance. Recognize if you have an abundance and what that abundance is of, time, money, uh, uh, a love, uh, attention, listening ear, skills that can be used somewhere else, whatever it is, as you note that abundance that God has entrusted to you, find ways to share it because it makes the world a different place, changes the flavor of all we see and do. You and I can be a part of that. And I invite you to consider how you will do it in the days to come this week. One of the things that we uh, do every week at St. James is to pray. Uh, there are any number of things about which we pray. Oftentimes it's our siblings in the world. Um, I was telling folks before uh, worship this morning that um, you know, we've been very involved with Appalachia Service Project since 2013. It was our first team we sent was in 2013. Um, and they're making a difference in Appalachia. This year, Appalachia Service Project was in 20 counties, five of whom had to be evacuated because of flooding. Five counties had to be evacuated and four which were affected, including even though there was no flooding, they lost power. And so things were impacted. So nine out of the 20 counties we were in were affected by the flooding. Um, and these are our neighbors who are already living right at the edge, uh, just barely getting by. Uh, and so I want us to be in prayer for our, uh, our neighbors in Kentucky and in West Virginia and other places affected by this flooding. I wanna pray for those who are all over the world on the front lines of danger, of violence. Sometimes that's in a war and sometimes that's in their own homes. Um, I want us to pray that we will find ways to bring peace and love into the world. Uh, I want us to pray that we will discover what it is we have in abundance and to live from that place of abundance so that we might share it with others. Um, give of ourselves and make a difference. I invite us to pray for the divisions in our world. Maybe that's part of the violence of which I spoke, but it seems like people can't talk to each other if they don't see everything exactly the same. That's probably one of the most exciting things I see when I go to Appalachia Service Project. 
which is a relationship ministry with construction on the side, is when people who come from a more progressive way of seeing things sit with people who come from a more conservative way of seeing things and they find the things that are in common and learn to love each other in spite of their political and religious differences uh, and any others as well. I want us to pray that we can find those same bridges. After all, our mission here at St. James is to be bridge builders at the intersections of everyday life. And we build bridges with the abundance of love and hope and faith that we bring into every moment of our lives. So let's enter into a moment of silent prayer together. I'll pray out loud for us and then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together, a version of which will be on the screen, but you pray the one you know in the language you know, and that will be good. Could we enter into a moment of silent prayer together? Gracious and vulnerable God, you pour yourself out for us. You squander all that you have in giving us life and love and hope and joy and peace that passes understanding. You keep pouring it out. And sometimes we squander it and sometimes we hoard it. Teach us to give away that which you've given to us so that we might live abundantly, not only toward ourselves, but toward our neighbors and you. Lord, we are thankful for the witness of uh, staffs of these 20 counties and all that they do to help volunteers impact the lives of homeowners in Appalachia. We thank you for we thank you for one another. We thank you for the bridges that are there to be built between us and those who do not see the world the way we do. And we pray that we will be courageous enough to build those bridges. We pray, oh God, for those who find themselves on the front lines of violence, whether it be soldiers or civilians in war, whether it be uh, folks in their home afraid of domestic violence, folks on the street. Wherever we are, we pray, O oh God, that we might be the bridges that help end the violence all around. God, we do pray for the divisions that exist in our world. We pray that we will open the door, that we'd be willing to listen, and that conversation won't be monologue, but rather listening and engaging and being present with those who see the world the same way we do, and the ones who see the world radically different. Lord, we want to be like your son. 
We want to be willing to empty ourselves as he did over and over and over again. We want to recognize in our lives the abundance that you've entrusted to us. Now, we spend so much of our time comparing our abundance with somebody else's abundance instead of recognizing that perhaps we have an abundance of something else and that we have the opportunity to share that abundance. Help us, O oh God, to live, to live the questions, to live fully, to invest our lives, each of our lives uh, in others, not just in ourselves. Help us to care for ourselves as much as is necessary, recognize whatever's left over, uh, the part that you've given us that you always intended we'd share and help us to live from that place of abundance rather than scarcity. Lord, for all those who are grieving their losses, those who are feeling broken, alienated, and alone, for those who are celebrating joyful things in their lives, all of those we lift to you knowing that you might use us or someone like us to make a difference in this world. Help us to be bridge builders at every intersection, making a difference so this world is a different place, that it has the flavor of the kingdom, a flavor of love and of hope, of justice and peace. And we pray all of this in the holy and precious name of your son, Jesus, the very same Jesus, who taught us and modeled for us a prayer that we use now, saying, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.